So, the new Sony phone everyone's been talking about. It seems amazing by just looking at the hardware, but here's the thing. It's not going to sell. Welcome to the Point Tech Podcast, your 15-minute guide to this week's tech news to the point. We have very interesting stuff for you this week. So, like last week, let's just get right into it because there's pretty exciting stuff lined up for this week. Nintendo announced a new model of their Switch lineup. Now, usually when a console comes out, you'd expect it to have a better hardware than the previous generation, right? Like a better CPU. Not with this Nintendo Switch. Nintendo didn't touch the internal specifications at all. Those remained the same, and that's why this model got a lot of hate from the gaming community. Probably because the leaks for this made it sound much better than what we actually got. But that's okay. Because if you look at this from a perspective where the leaks didn't exist at all, then you'd really start to appreciate it. Now, I'm sure a lot of you might not know what a Nintendo Switch is, so let me get that out of the way real quick. The Nintendo Switch is a handheld portable gaming device, just like the PSP. But you can connect it to your TV and attach the controller from the screen to play with another person. This came out 4 years ago. Since then, we've had the Nintendo Switch Lite which has a smaller screen and was basically made for a budget-friendly group of people. And now we have the Nintendo Switch OLED, the one that got announced recently. So what is an OLED panel? An OLED screen is basically much better, but a tad bit expensive than your LCD screens. I won't get into the specifics, but it's just a better quality screen overall. The elder one from Harry Potter of screens, if you will. So. This new Nintendo Switch has an OLED panel. It has a bigger screen, a more flexible kickstand to rest it on while you're playing, support for wired internet which is basically just more faster than Wi-Fi and has 64GB instead of 32 on the original Nintendo Switch. Seems nice, right? It is. But it's just that people were expecting something more. Maybe support for 4K gaming which is gaming in 4K resolution. But then again, Big hefty consoles like the PS5 has just started to introduce 4K gaming to the market. You can't expect something that fits in the small pocket of your backpack to be able to do that. Maybe someday in the future, but not now. We've gotten the same Nintendo Switch with just a good features on the outside. And that's not really bad. Considering the fact that you get a better battery, better internet, better physical support, and a bigger, better touchscreen, and double the storage for just $50 extra, I'd say this isn't that bad of a deal for people who want to play good quality games on the go. So, the new Sony phone everyone's been talking about. It seems amazing by just looking at the hardware, but here's the thing. It's not going to sell. Usually when I'm talking about a phone or a new piece of hardware, I'll just quote some numbers on a spec sheet, but let's take a different approach to this one. I'll try to contextualize everything I'm saying so that you get what I'm trying to say through those numbers. Now, before I start, let me just tell you, this is a phone with a very narrow target audience. So through the segment, 
I'll raise a question and then try to answer it in simple terms. And here's the question. Why won't this phone sell? And the answer is pretty simple if you break it down. The features are great and I mean I won't even read the specifications out because it's pretty clear that everything is going to be almost the same as other flagships with a few tweaks. I want to talk about those tweaks because that's what makes this phone so great. It's a phone that despite being in the expensive range has a headphone jack. And I just love how a headphone jack is now a crazy enthusiast feature just because phone companies assume that if you're spending a thousand dollars on a phone then you're more likely to spend an additional 200 on headphones. People who know about this might get a cheaper pair of Bluetooth headphones because let's be honest you don't need Sony's extra pricey $500 earbuds anyway. But someone who just wants a phone might just buy them because they see an offer. And the starting price of this phone is around $1300 in the US. So now you've spent $2000 on a phone and you're expecting it to do something very crazy or something that set it off from other pricey phones. But you'll be surprised to know that since this phone is targeted towards people who buy phones for specific features or in simple terms tech savvy users, they haven't added anything crazy. At least not stuff that the average user would notice. For example, how many of you go and check your phone's screen resolution and then adjust it according to the content you're watching? Didn't make sense, did it? That's why no one's gonna buy this phone. It doesn't have anything extra that would add to a normal person's workflow. For example, if you buy a foldable phone, you get extra screen. Even a normal user could use the extra screen real estate. But this has technical advantage and most users don't need that technical advantage. You probably won't change the resolution when you're watching a movie, so the 4K screen at 120Hz won't matter to you. Now, what does that mean? 4K screens just have 4 times the pixels as your normal 1080p screen. So it's very, very, very clear. And 120Hz just means that your phone, at that high resolution, refreshes its pixels 120 times in just a second. And that's a huge battery drain. So instead of noticing the great quality or the smoothness, you will probably just complain about the battery. And that's why no one's gonna buy this phone. Okay now, how many of you adjust any setting before taking a photo or a video? At the most, you'd probably just focus on your subject and that's it. When you want to click a photo, you just head into the camera app and click the shutter. As simple as that. Not with this phone though. This phone has a whole DSLR experience built into it. So you can literally customize your phone's camera settings like a DSLR. You can even switch focal lengths. That feature is a Sony exclusive up till now. It's so good that you can actually make decent content with it and post on the internet. And it's not as if you can't do that with any other phone. But let's be honest, DSLR features in a phone are way better than your normal phone for content creation. But that's exactly why no one's gonna buy this phone. It may seem a very good feature, but for an average user, it'll just get difficult to click a photo because the camera menu is different and more complicated than what you've been used to. When you want to click a photo, it's usually about capturing a moment. If you have to spend your time messing around with the lighting and the white balance and the focal length, that moment will probably go away and you'll end up installing a new camera app altogether. There is a much simpler mode in the camera app, but it's still different from what you used to in your normal phone camera because 
there's a whole menu to switch to DSLR mode. And that might be different from what you've been using in your previous phone. So while this camera interface is good for someone who knows these terms, it isn't made for the average user. And that's why no one's gonna buy this phone. You have a ca custom camera shutter button, a button for the Google Assistant that can be set to anything, along with your regular power and volume buttons. And while that's really good as a feature, for someone who's going to be using that DSLR and um, you know those DSLR features and that extra button for some task, your average consumer is going to get confused with those buttons. So you might end up triggering the camera or Google Assistant when you just want to turn your phone off. And that's why no one's going to buy this phone. Let's talk about aspect ratio for a while. So what is aspect ratio first? The aspect ratio of a video is well, the ratio of its width to its height. So 4 by 3 and 16 by 9 are the most prevalent aspect ratios as of now. Chances are that the phone you're listening to this on has an aspect ratio of 16 by 9. The Sony Xperia 1 Mark III though has an aspect ratio of 21 by 9. And while that's great for consuming content without the black borders that you usually get when you watch a YouTube video, a lot of apps aren't optimized for this different aspect ratio. So for your average user, you probably won't even notice the absence of black bars in a YouTube video. However, you will notice that your Instagram stories and reels aren't fitting the whole screen and instead have black bars around them. Now that's a compromise people have to make, but if you're well, if you want to use this phone and you're a tech savvy user, that won't matter much. And this happens only because Instagram hasn't been optimized for this new aspect ratio and probably won't be in the future either. That's why no one's gonna buy this phone. So although this phone has some amazing features, those features are made for only one small audience in the large smartphone market. So no matter how good it may be, it's going to be unknown to a lot of people. And that's partially because Sony hasn't built that brand name up for them. Like when you think about smartphones, your first guess would be Samsung or Apple. Maybe even Xiaomi, but not Sony. Sony is the brand usually associated with consoles or TVs, but not smartphones. They are catering to a very niche audience, which is probably too small to deem a phone as profitable. So your average consumer is much more likely to settle with a Samsung at the same price, even if the Sony is miles ahead in features. I do get a feeling that if this was a Samsung phone, it would have received legitimate praise because most of Sony's phones are really underappreciated, like this one. But that's exactly why no one's gonna buy this phone. Ever completely run out of your phone's RAM? By that I mean have you opened so many tasks on your phone that it slows everything down? No, right? That's because most smartphones have started to ship out with 6 and 8GB of RAM in their base model and up to 16 for an upgraded model or a flagship phone. For comparison, 8GB of RAM is considered a standard on most laptops. So your phone probably has more RAM than your laptop. And that's because, well, in case you do end up overloading your system or play a very graphically intensive game, both of which are highly unlikely. But Vivo and Xiaomi both have rolled out an update for certain phones as of now, where if your phone does occupy all the RAM, it can take some storage from your internal storage, that is the part where you store your games, movies, everything, and use it as RAM. Now, here's the thing. 
you'll mostly just do basic stuff on your phone like checking email replying to messages watching youtube and maybe occasionally playing games those aren't really intensive tasks it's a software that occupies a lot of the ram but even so you're still able to do these tasks without any problem so why the extra ram of course this feature's practical implications are a little questionable after all it's uncommon for a smartphone's memory to be used to its maximum capacity even if it is the performance increase with virtual ram is a measure for smartphones that has to be sorted fully yet it's haywire right now basically only because it's so new and probably never going to be used in a practical scenario it is however a big leap for the smartphone market hopefully i mean if we do get something like this in bigger you know flagships maybe them shipping out with this feature people might use it but then again if you ship your phone out with 6 and 8 gigabytes of ram no one's going to use it because that scenario isn't going to come up now if you load your phone with let's say 2 or 4 gigabytes of ram then it might come into use but as of now with 16 gigabytes of ram in a phone this feature is pretty obsolete moving on to the next info snip Google has yet again found themselves in court for an antitrust case. This time it's the Play Store's policies that are under question. One of Android's biggest advertised perks is the ability to download apps from other app stores. Though US courts are now challenging that as a misadvertisement as they believe that Google is making it unrealistic for other app stores to compete with Google Play. Some accusing it of paying off developers to create apps for Google Play over a competing app store or platform. Additionally, after a legal review of Google's internal documents, it also appears that Google may have plans to pay Samsung Electronics to discontinue its own app store, the Samsung Galaxy Store, currently Google's biggest competitor to the Play Store. Other allegations include certain apps allegedly being forced to use Google's in-app purchasing gateway, which allows Google to collect 30% of every transaction, which has encouraged many app makers to raise prices of their apps and subscriptions to make up for the difference. So basically Google is doing the exact same thing that caused Apple to get into a lawsuit with Epic Games. I think that this creates another hurdle for smaller app developers who choose to distribute their apps on the third party app stores and it doesn't really leave them room for fair competition. If this continues to happen then Google is going to go against their own philosophy. So hopefully we find an end to this problem real soon. All right so that was it for this week's episode of the Point Tech podcast. Let me know how you thought of this episode. I had a lot of fun making this episode like last episode and hopefully you all liked it too. Let me know what you think in the suggestions box on our website and be sure to check our Instagram page out and I'll see you all next week. Have a great day.